Welcome everyone to the Retro Pool Guy Podcast. I'm your host, the Retro Pool Guy. And I'd like to welcome you all back for our first episode of Season 2. Uh, thank you everyone who uh, checked out us during our first season. And uh, I'd like to say thank you to uh, maybe all the new people who are checking us out for the first time. I uh, hope you enjoy it. And today, we're going to be talking about Jurassic Park for the Super Nintendo. A very uh, challenging game. But first, let's bring in my co-host and producer. You all know him as the Drunken Beard or Nick. How we doing, Nick? Good. How about yourself? Did you have uh, a good break? Go anywhere fun? Uh, there was a lot of work. <laughs> work? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of work, man. A lot of pools clean in the summertime, but uh, that's all calmed down now. So, nice. uh, yes, dude, I am so excited and ready to go. Uh, how was your summer, man? I know you did a lot of traveling, huh? Yeah, I went uh, Boise and Yellowstone National Park. Got to see all that fun stuff and went did a huge 2,000-mile drive. So I'm I'm dri- driven out and ready to just sit and relax for the rest of the year. I hear you, dude. <laughs> I'm ready to do the thing. So let's get into it, shall we? As always, I have a very special guest uh for you guys uh we're going to be talking about Jurassic park the game but uh we can't talk about Jurassic park the game without talking about of course Jurassic park the movie so i searched far and wide for y'all to find a uh, very special guest he's a film aficionado <laughs> and a uh, future oscar winner we call him mr Filmstock. other people call him anthony how you doing anthony oh how are you guys Just have me on the show Hey, man. So glad to have you here, man. Uh, you are a film critic. Uh, is that fair to say? Yes, that's true, yeah. Or maybe a uh, jack-of-all-trades, right? You uh, say that do too. quite a different... Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to films. Uh, you do reviews. Uh, you do reactions. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? How do you uh, get into that? Well, I was always into the aspect of film ever since I was little. I love movies. I love going to the movies. And, you know, with this episode being Jurassic Park, it was one of the first movies I ever saw in a movie theater. My father and mother took me. And ever since then, I was just fascinated by the way just movies happened. Like seeing dinosaurs on the big screen when you're like six years old is crazy. And then when after that it's just like every weekend my mom from then on out just took me to the movies every single weekend didn't matter what movie it was it was just just get that experience and then from then on like as i got older i figured let me do some movie reviews and see what happens i mean when you grow up you see siskel and ebert and everything you're like i could do that it's not that hard but sometimes you know you have that backlash of people not agreeing with you on certain things or stuff like that but then it's the aspect of getting that feeling of you're watching a movie and then you giving your opinion about it. And it's just that feeling of seeing what other people think, you know? Yeah. It's uh it's great because films can be interpreted in so many different ways. You know, it's all about uh, a personal perspective, you know, uh, some people can watch a film and take away one thing and other people can watch a film and 
take away something completely different. You know, and I oh, think that's absolutely. what's great about uh, about movies. I, I'm a big movie fan too. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are too. Uh, so your first experience that Jurassic Park was your your first movie that you got to see in the movie theater. Correct, it was yes. The yeah. movie theater was packed. We got there late, and we had to sit in the middle. And I was sitting on my dad's lap the entire movie. He tried to cover my face uh, that one time where the T Rex. Uh, eats the guy on the toilet and i was like no nah, no nah, let me see what's happening <laughs> so, uh, it was just a fun experience all around yes oh that is one of the greatest scenes uh in film history <laughs> <laughs> everybody remembers that scene. right right uh, so uh what other things have you done with movies uh do you just do reviews or are you uh trying to film anything yourself have you thought about directing um, I have directed, I directed a few short films, uh, stuff that I wrote myself, uh, took inspiration from horror films, thriller films, and just decided to put that into like a short horror film that I released about, my goodness, 10 years ago, I want to say, with a couple of uh, film students that I went to film school with. And it was about like an eight to 10 minute short film about dreams and uh, seeing if your dream is a reality or not, uh, what's real and, you know, what's fake. Um, I've been working on that and then I've been working also on mostly writing a lot as well. I write a lot of scripts and uh, just to let it sit there and then revisit it a few years later and work on other things. Plus I've been doing a lot of things for friends with editing and uh, a little bit of acting work here and there. That's awesome, man. So you've really, really gotten into this. Uh, I, I love seeing people do that, you know, just create things, uh, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on. I just I checked out your YouTube channel. I was like, man, this thing seems really interesting. You know, all right, I gotta bring him on. I gotta ask him questions. So, is is horror films? Would you say that's your favorite genre of film? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, horror is definitely a favorite of mine. Also, thrillers, action, and more so like sci-fi as well. Is there um, any type of any type of film you don't like? Like you stay away from rom com. I, I don't mind rom-coms or coming-of-age films, but I can't do musicals. No musicals? No, no Sweeney Todd? <laughs> oh, man, those are my, my favorites. <laughs> I can do some musicals, maybe Grease, The Sound of Music, uh, Chicago, Sweeney Todd, like the movie Nine with Daniel Day-Lewis. But other than that, anything that doesn't work with the plot to move it forward, I just can't get into it. So all Disney films just out. <laughs> well, I mean, those are fine, I guess. I want to say because they're animated. Um, with them doing the live action stuff, it's just like okay, we can change it up well, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, let's not talk about the live action stuff. Um, please, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, come on, y'all didn't like that stuff. You don't no. like the Lion King? Wasn't that great? No, 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 it's not. <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> no comment. Huh. All right. Okay, so where can uh is there anywhere where we can see this horror film of yours? Have you released it to the public? I have. It's on my YouTube channel, youtube.com black backslash Marchio Productions. That's M-A-R-C-H-I-O Productions. It's about an eight and a half minute short film. Shout out. And do you have plans 
for uh, releasing any future films? I do, I do. I'm working on a couple things right now, mostly a feature-length film and uh, another, I want to say, a sequel to the film that I have that I did 10 years ago. So I didn't look at it as a sequel, but I figured get into the aspect of one of the characters that are in that short film and just, you know, expand on that. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Jurassic Park, the movie. Uh, Anthony, one of the things that really impressed me with this movie is the special effects and how they still hold up today. You know, uh, given your expertise with films and all the films that you watch, uh, tell us how you feel about the special effects then and compared to today. I know you said when you were a kid, it blew you away. But uh, how do you feel about it now? Does it still hold up to you? I, I feel like it does. Yeah, it definitely holds up. I mean, what Industrial Light and Magic were able to do back then, like they were going to use puppeteers as dinosaurs. And then Steven Spielberg was shown this one minute clip on a computer screen about a dinosaur prancing through an open field and decided, let's try this. Let's do this. And it came to life. I mean, even the close-up scenes with the T-Rex, it's just animatronic puppeteers. But if you see that in real life, it's just scary, you know? But compared to today with how the Jurassic Park trilogy was and then now the Jurassic World trilogy, the Jurassic World trilogy is more straightforward with the CGI. It's not as clean, but I feel like Jurassic Park is more cleaner with the edits of transitioning into the CGI. And you can definitely tell that even with the close-up scenes and some faraway aspects, it's just done better back in the day. And even though technology has advanced so much in the last 30 years within the film industry, I feel like they still haven't quite gotten to the point where they can actually figure out what to do with CGI yet because the blue screen, the green screen, and then it's just an actor acting to nothing there. But if you have something like an animatronic like they had with the T-Rex in the original Jurassic Park, I feel like it'll get things better from the aspect of the actor and we'll see more things happening. Yeah, it, it brings out the realism to the actor. Oh, definitely. Instead of relying purely on the actor's imagination. Of course, you know? yeah. And then you can see the CGI aspect with today's films of sometimes the green screen, blue screen is not, you know edited out quite a bit and you can still see that little shade of green or blue behind them on the screen when back in the day you had like something like Jurassic Park you know you it was the darker scenes you couldn't tell anything but then when the scenes got brighter it's like oh okay is this animatronic or is this CGI yeah that, I, go ahead Nick no I I think that's more of a testament to not saying practical effects are the way to go all the time, but more of the blending of the practical effects with uh, uh, CG gives at least the animators in the CG something to work with that has lighting uh, and, uh, you know, actual things that they can replicate, uh, like reflections. And then, of course, the actors have something to look at with a practical effect and then have something over it. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. But... Uh, and I, I think the the challenge uh, nowadays, uh, most of the time, is n 
directors possibly not giving the CG teams always all the information or even time to to do these special effects instead of using you know smaller amounts of special effects that look really good they'll do full scenes that are rushed that you know look possibly right terrible comparatively they're always trying to meet that deadline you know and it's just when you meet that deadline in a film you have like a year Mm -hmm. for it to come out and you're just rushing through it it's not like you said it's not going to be that perfect pristine condition do you guys think that the uh, directors are more hands-off with the uh, CGI than they used to be? Because we always remember Steven Spielberg as being very hands-on with all the special effects in all of his movies. So do you think that's changed now with directors and just, you know, guys like computers? It really depends on the director. True, yeah. There's a lot of directors in the industry that are want to be hands-on, like like you said, Spielberg. Another is James Cameron, who just, you know, it doesn't make a movie in 10 years and it is a box office sensation once again but i feel like the studios need to give the creative effort back to the director back to the writer i mean once you write your your story it's just it's it it's out of your hands and the studio can do whatever they want even with cgi and the aspect of the editing it's out of your hands and what you film is not usually your final product that you see on the big screen Yes, it's definitely changed industry as well. You can tell from the outside. I'm sure you, being on the inside, have a lot of insight. A lot of studio With- interest. Yeah, a lot of interesting friends I have who tell me certain things about what's going on. <laughs> Let's go ahead and start talking about the game. So, Jurassic Park for SNES was released just a few months after the movie in October of 1993. Uh, It was uh, developed by Ocean, and apparently they paid an undisclosed uh, six figures to uh, get the rights to this game. there's a lot of money for the rights. It kind of reminded me of the whole E.T. situation. <laughs> except this game was a success. <laughs> this game actually made some money. Uh, so they were able to use like digitized photos from the film. They gave them access to the film stock. So they uh, they incorporated some of that. Uh, and also, Steven Spielberg was a little bit hands-on with this game as well. Not just uh, with the movie. He said he wanted the game to be, you know, immersive, just like the film. And uh, it did a pretty decent job with that. It is very uh, close to the film. So, but let's talk about the, the graphics first. We'll get into the graphics on Jurassic Uh So, when you first start the game, you're in a top-down overhead view, and it still looks pretty good. Like, the game still holds up. It's similar to, it's like an action-adventure game, so similar to what you would see in uh, Zelda or uh, Beyond Oasis, like we talked about, like that uh, game a while ago. And then when you go inside the buildings, it switches to a first-person view, uh, which is very similar to Doom. Or uh, what's another one off the top of my head there? Uh, Wolfenstein, something like that. Uh, 
Oh. <laughs> this is where it gets a little choppy. I mean, they did a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> I try to give them a little credit because it is a Super Nintendo, right? So when I'm in this these buildings, mm-hmm. I think about, you know, Doom and how they ported that to the SNES and how much work that that took. So that's kind of, you know, I kind of and give them slack for that. They, they did a good job. I don't believe this actually has a Super FX chip, so being able to... It does not. It yeah, does not. do do the texture map in and the, the computation for it is, is pretty impressive, but also it shows at the uh, three frames per second uh, that it runs, it feels like, in, in the uh, interior... Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. As a kid, it felt really great, you know? It was pretty cool to see that on the Super Nintendo as a kid. Uh, you just didn't really see that in a lot of games on the Super At least I don't remember seeing that in a lot of games. No, there's there's very few first person. Yeah, so just to be able to play that on that was pretty impressive. But when you got inside the, the dinosaurs, you know, if you just kind of took your time, if you didn't, like, run through it, you could easily kill anything before it ever saw you. Oh, yeah. I, I was dying of boredom as I watched all the, uh, all yeah, the dinosaurs from a distance. You just kind of go stealth mode a little bit, and you, just, <laughs> you know, shoot them from afar with the rocket launcher or something like that. And get through them pretty easy. Uh, but they are set up like a maze, and there's a lot of backtracking. Get the elevators. Charge, the elevator. <laughs> oh, what, those elevators. What floor did I get off on again? What direction <laughs> am I going? And sometimes it felt repetitive too, because you go into the visitor center, you kill one dinosaur, you go out, you go back in. It's like, wait, why is that dinosaur still alive? Didn't I just kill it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. They. Uh... Mm, like the outdoor section was so much more fun than the interior section. Yeah, the outdoor section, uh, it was done really well too. Uh, still set up like a maze, but you know, I felt felt very similar to Link to the Past kind of. But uh, done really well. Uh, variety of dinosaurs is pretty good. Uh, of course, there's raptors chasing you. Uh, they're like jump scares almost. It, this game really had a horror feeling, like uh, reminding me of Resident Evil a little bit. You're just walking through the woods, and then you know all of a sudden the raptors are attacking you, without warning. <laughs> or a triceratops is chasing you. Or if you go to one area, the T-Rex even comes out, and there's not much you can do to get away from that guy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, the the other. Uh... A super annoying part I had with it was uh, that the text pop-ups that take up 70% of the screen warning you or, like, notifying. Oh, yeah. Like, like how many eggs you, ca- eggs you have left or something. Uh, or, or, like, careful, don't startle uh, whatever those... Uh, don't shoot the Galamanese uh, or whatever yes. they are. As yeah, they're hey. running into me, I can't see them because exactly. their text box is up. Leave me alone. That was definitely an issue I ran into. It was, uh, oh, it was annoying. Uh, it took me a while. I guess if you press uh, L or R, when that pops up, it'll make it disappear. 
like oh. quicker. Yeah. That, that would I didn't nice figure that out until it was too late. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Uh, so the graphics, I mean, we can all pretty agree, right? Graphically wise, pretty good. Right? Yeah, I mean, sure. for a Super Nintendo game, I mean, it's, it's done. I mean, the overworld, like you said, Nick, it's done really good. Like, yeah. I think that looks really great. It's got good, good sprite work. Yeah, it, it looks good. The dinosaurs move good. It's, it's great. The inside, eh, it's a little sketchy. It's, yeah. it's impressive they... for what they had, you know, but if you try to compare it to anything today, it's oh. not fair. I mean, it, I mean, even then, it, it's they're muddy textures, but of course they're just using those at the the mode seven to you know scale and stretch things, similar to again uh, Zelda's overworld map or um, any of those world maps. I guess even Final Fantasy VI uses that um, and whatnot, where you kind of get that stretched texture looking warped texture. So it doesn't look fantastic, but they still did a pretty good job using know that mode just wish uh the ai was a uh, programmed a bit better or pathing for that did yeah. you oh uh, they also like would aggro through walls you noticed yes yes i did notice that sometimes yeah. <laughs> see a tail poking through <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's good i'm like i'm hearing hearing dinosaurs i'm like where are they oh they're just on the other side of the wall hold on let me go go around what got me with the game was that there was no save button and you had to sit through it and just yeah. play it and you couldn't turn off your console. Oh, yeah. But if you wanted a break, just pause it, turn your TV off and hope and pray the power doesn't go out. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something we're definitely going to be getting into. Um, uh, what Like what the odd choice of lives as well. Right. Four. Well, I mean, just having them in general. Ah. Yeah, see that. Real quick, talk about the music. So we have, basically, I remember three tracks. You have the overworld track on the outside, which is completely bumping. I love that music. (laughs) Then you have the music on the inside building. It changes to... uh, it's pretty creepy. Let's just say that. It's, the music inside, I felt it was creepy. And I think it did a good job of setting the mood. But the best music in the game, by far, is in the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I suppose. The elevator music, man, they nailed that. <laughs> it definitely oh, it's sounds so like good. elevator music. It's so good. Nick, let's do it, man. Let's fire it up for them. The uh, listeners have to hear it. All right. Yeah, it, it, it's like that 1980s mall music. <laughs> yeah, <that's perfect. laughs> I mean, you're, you're in this creepy building and then you go into the elevator and it changes into that. Mm. Just... Fantastic. Yeah. Any other comments on the music? Any opinions that you guys want to give? How do y'all feel about the, the music with this game? I, I mean, it's fine. It's nothing that I, I would hum. That's true. You know, <laughs> uh, 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 
nothing really just sticks out to me. Yeah. Yeah, right. it's not it's, it's not the not spectacular for sure, but it it works in the game and I think it set the mood pretty well. Oh, yeah. The track Raptor Rap really sets the mood. Weird Al released a track <laughs> also with this movie. Uh, so that's something everybody needs to go check out. Oh, I just actually went and saw Weird Al. The movie? Yeah. No, I mean him in oh, live. Nice. Oh, you saw him live? Yeah. Did he hey, play the Jurassic Park song? <laughs> I don't think so. He, they <laughs> ah. did play a lot of... It's the uh, um, self-indulgent tour or whatever where they, they play all the non-popular songs, so... Pretty cool. I would love to see Weird Al. I highly uh, recommend Fun Times. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this game and talk about the gameplay. Because this is a... Uh... Wait, there's gameplay? <laughs> there's some gameplay here. So just to inform the listeners, the new folks, uh, if you've listened to the show before, you kind of know how we try to do it here. We play the games... But we, we don't use any guides. Uh, we kind of stick to it like how it used to be. Like back then, I didn't have access to the internet or the, you know, just videos to go look something up. You just had to play these games. Uh, you got the instruction booklet. Maybe you got a Nintendo Power, you know, every now and then. I know some people had a subscription. I never did. But so with these games, we just try to figure them out, you know. And uh, this one uh, is damn near impossible to just <laughs> figure out. <laughs> they don't give you a lot to go on at all. Uh, I even looked at the manual, and it wasn't, it wasn't that much of a help, really. Uh, everything is very cryptic. The, you have to go up to the light poles, and they will kind of give you a hint on what you have to do. Like, hey... Go turn on the generator. Where's that? They don't tell you. You just got to go find it. And then they'll tell you, okay, you got to, you know, turn the generator on, but they don't tell you that you need an access card to get to the generator first. <laughs> so you're left just wandering around trying to figure these things out without a guide. Got to reset the breakers, but you got to turn on the generator to reset the breakers. Exactly. You need an ID mm -hmm. to get through this. We're not going to tell you where to find these things. Very complicated game. Very, very much so. <laughs> I got super frustrated with this. <laughs> Go ahead, Anthony. How's, how's your experience oh with my this goodness. one? It's like, I didn't mind the game, but it was just so difficult to beat. And I don't even think I did beat it. Uh, it's just like constantly the same thing over and over again. But the outer world aspect of it was really good. And then it just got confusing when you went into the visitor center and just trying to go through the maze and the map. It's just like, like you said, like it's not giving you that instruction of what to do and you don't know where to go. That's the difference. I feel like it's like, but f for what it was, it was different. But like you said in the beginning, it was like doom, you know, it was just, that's what it felt like, just with dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Doom with dinosaurs. Now that's a game. <laughs> Nick, 
Go ahead, man. I know you got something to say about it. Yeah, I really didn't like this game. Uh, like o- overall, the overworld fantastic. I actually loved going through there, but and collecting the dinosaur eggs and all that fun stuff. But the uh, like the interior section, just I think I was in there for like two or three hours, and my brain was mush from because there's nothing that to fight. The dinosaurs just kind of stand there. You shoot them. I don't know why they give you an ammo pool because they give you so much ammo. I don't know what the difference between the secondary weapon really was like the uh, using uh, like the bullet whip things. Uh, mm-hmm. They they seem to do the exact same thing as a rocket launcher. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm like, what what is the purpose of the these sections other than to add time to the game? Uh, busy. So. Busy work, yeah. Um, again, the outside's fantastic, and had no problem. But man, that interior—it it was just mind-numbingly boring. Uh, and I would have been fine if, you know, the dinosaurs were somewhat of a challenge, but nothing really was. Um, I don't think I fully beat it as well because I, I, I set aside an entire afternoon, and. By the time the afternoon was over, I was like, "Okay, I think I got enough out of this game to to return it to uh, Blockbuster." Yeah, uh, let's talk about those weapons real quick that you brought up. So you have you have the rocket launcher, you have the dragon, uh, the the Belaris or Belaris, I terrible at pronouncing things. Forgive me. Uh, you have the uh, shotgun. You have you get the cattle prod that comes with it. I feel like gas grenades. One the gas grenades and, and a tranquilizer the, gun. Uh, tranquilizer gun. Thank you. So here's what I know about the weapon. The shotgun was automatic, but it's the weakest one in the game. It takes several several shots to take down a raptor, and that's basically kind of how I judged the weapons was. Uh, how fast I could take down a raptor because those things were <laughs> evil, evil creatures. Uh, so shotgun, uh, it also seemed to be the most rare. Like there was less of that than anything. Like I found yeah. more rockets in the, the, the flare thing uh, than I did the shotgun. So I thought the shotgun was going to be like the most powerful thing, but no, it's the weakest. I mean, other than it being automatic, it's pretty much useless. So I stayed away from that one. The darts are only good on the T-Rex. Or, hang on, let me reverse that for you. The only thing that works on the T-Rex is the dart, the tranquilizer dart. I don't understand that logic. The tranquilizer dart on a giant T-Rex as opposed to a rocket launcher. I mean, I know it's a T-Rex, but it's, a, it's supposed to be a rocket you think that would blow up? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh! Hey, hey. What, what, one more complaint uh, about the interior sections. The auto pickup of items while you're walking around in there instead of like on the outside where you had to press, I think, Y to pick up an item. Absolutely so annoying. So annoying when you're like walk over the shotgun shells and you didn't want those. So you have to go back and walk over them again so you can pick back up your rockets. Yeah, that was... I didn't like that either. <laughs> a lot of things I didn't necessarily like. <laughs> so, that's definitely one of them. It's annoying. 
I I really tried hard to do this game, like get into this game. I I did hand drawn maps of the buildings. Uh, I mean, just there's just no direction. There's no. It's too cryptic, and there you know, and the ID cards are what broke me. Okay, like I I understood like the messages. You can figure those out. Like okay, go turn on the generator. All right, so you just find the building with the generator. But the ID card, where the hell is that? And then, like, uh, there's a part, there's a mission where you have to uh, clear the ship of raptors, okay? So I get to the ship, I start clearing it of raptors. There's another section I have to go into to kill the rest of the raptors. Guess what? You need the ID card. <laughs> Somebody else's ID card. Okay, great. Pointless. So you spend the rest of the... I swear 90% of the game was me looking for ID cards. And some of them are hidden in rooms where you need uh, the night vision goggles. That's something yeah. you haven't mentioned yet. It's the inside. The I found those really quickly, surprisingly. The night vision goggles? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in some places, it seems like it's easy. But like in the visitor center, it I took me never, forever I to find I could never find them. How did you guys find Where did you guys find them? <laughs> <laughs> I just found them on the floor. Like, yeah, dude, like little battery oh, laying on the ground. Yeah, that's your yeah. Plus, there were like multiple floors so, on the visitor center. And it's like, am I on the right floor, or it's just like, yeah, that that used to crap out. I mean, like, right. am I going left or right? I it, it, I don't like remember. Going around, the deeper you get into the game, it gets that's worse true. It does. Mm-hmm. If they gave us like uh-huh. maybe like a little. John Hammond in the corner with his ID cards, like giving it to us, maybe it would have been a little bit easier. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like at the end of an objective, here's the next ID card that you're going to need. Not, hey, good luck. (laughs) It's out there somewhere, buddy. Or have like Ian show up and give us a fact instead of putting him up on the screen and text. You know, (laughs) it would have been much easier. So, we got way off subject there. Back to the weapons. When it comes to the weapons, the two you just want to carry are basically the rocket launcher and uh, the little Polaris rifle. And Nick, you asked what the difference was. The only difference that I noticed was on the outside map, uh, the overworld map, the uh, rockets stop at one. Like, if you hit a raptor, it'll kill just the first raptor in front of it. But the, mm-hmm. the other rifle goes through them. And we'll gotcha. one behind it. So I use those on the overworld and I save the rockets for inside space. But none of it mattered because I could never find the right <laughs> idea. <laughs> and if they would have just put a password system, save, I understand they don't want to do the save thing. Batteries, you have to put those in the cartridge, right? Is that correct? I'm not a tech guru, but I think they run off the battery in the cartridge. It's a little extra money produced. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yes. Yep. Yeah. For, yeah. for like a save file, like yeah. Donkey re- Kong or Zelda. Yeah. They, they require a battery to keep the saves alive. Yeah. So I understand not wanting to do that, but why, why in the hell would you not put a password system? Would have made Something. things a lot easier. Why start all over? Yeah, I mean, to be, 
to sit down and figure out this game, you basically had to dedicate the whole day because you can't start. Oh, like you start over anytime you turn it off. There's no saving. There's no passwords. And I just I don't understand why they didn't put that in. It would have made this game so much better. Instead, they give you five lives and two continues, which also make no sense. They should just you die, you just go back to you know, a start point or whatever. Same thing as the lies, but why would you even bother with a life system sure. at that point? Yeah, I don't... I, yeah, I don't understand. I'm just like, okay, you I'm get 15 so attempts. Okay, well, what's, what's the point then of, of having lives? But I digress. But yeah, password I system definitely would have been... There were checkpoints, much, right? Or save yeah. points? Or no? There were... Yes, uh... Oh, those light right, bulbs okay. that we mentioned earlier, those were the like a checkpoint. Or if you go inside a building, when you come out, oh, that's okay. a checkpoint. Like you'll start at whatever building you. Uh, yeah, well, like like you said, out. like password system, or just have the game start off from that previous checkpoint. Would have been. It would have made. It would have saved this game, in my opinion, because. This game almost hits on on every mark. The graphics are good. Uh, it, they took risk with the indoor parts. I know it's not the best out there, but there's not many like that. Like you said, Nick, there's very few. So I like that they took the risk with that. And the game is impressive. It really sticks to the movie. I think it's a good representation of the film. I mean, you're basically trying to do the same thing. Well, you know, they added some objectives. They don't run around finding <laughs> eggs. But, but I do know that in the book, when they do have a thing with the ships, so that actually comes from the book, when you're supposed to clear the raptors off the ship, you know. Yeah, I uh, think that's actually what made it in Jurassic Park 2. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. All oh, Jurassic Park 2. That's a good one. <laughs> But yeah, so, I mean, music's good, graphics are good, gameplay, it just, the save ruins everything, because it's not that bad of a game, but just the fact that you have to start over every single time you turn it off, you, you know, I'm sure once you memorize where everything is, like, you know, once I figured out how to turn on the generator, I could do that part easy, but it turns into one of those uh, guessing games, you know, where... Like you, like the game. Okay, I walk this way. Oh, I get hit. Okay, I walk this way. Go left instead. You know what I mean? Yeah, Does that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I really feel like it was kind of set up in the era of making it too hard to beat in a day or two, kind of thing, where they uh, were rentals. So they wanted to make it as long as possible for for that. Well, speaking of beating it in a day, did you notice on the world map, either one of you, that there was some letters scattered about? Mm -hmm. You saw like a letter R close to the visitor center or something like that. Yep. <laughs> I know so what I'm getting at. Yeah, I spent about uh, two hours or so trying to figure <laughs> out what these letters are, trying to pick them up or collect them. I'm like, what is this nonsense? Okay. Thankfully, just out of the blue, a good listener of ours, uh, I've mentioned him before on the show. His name is jcast68k on Twitter. Okay, 
he messaged me. He's like, hey, uh, did you know about this? About Jurassic Park? He's a big Jurassic Park fan. So, uh, and it was, uh, it's about those letters. Those letters were actually a contest that was put on in the United States uh, by Ocean, the developers of the game. And whoever could find all the letters first and piece them together would, uh, you know, to make a word, would win $5,000. And it actually took the winner. They released the contest, and two days later, somebody won it after beating the game in 10 hours and figuring out what the, uh, what the message was. And if you put all the letters together, it spells out Dr. Horner. And that is uh, for Dr. Jack Horner. He was a paleontologist was a consultant for the film so that's how that tied in there i felt like an idiot after reading that i'm really glad he sent me that. i probably would have spent another whole day just trying to figure out what these letters are because we're not looking stuff up you know so i didn't, would have never known wow that's that's incredible five thousand dollars back in the day Ooh, man <laughs> yeah yeah that's a lot of money back then you know 1994 yeah 94 yeah you could you could have got a, uh, was it uh, that uh, Nintendo uh, VR oh, yeah. system? <laughs> a couple of those. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh man! So, <laughs> and and so all eight games. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> How did somebody beat that game? Ten hours. Yeah. Dedication. Or they just look for the letters for 10 hours. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, from what I understand, you had to progress through the game to find all the letters. So I guess the last one might have been on the helipad. I don't, I don't know even think I got that far. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know how far <laughs> I really got. I got to uh, the ship. Like I said, I, I tried to clear that out, but I could never find the ID card to finish that part. Uh, found a room with some blue eggs, but I had no idea what to do there. I guess I wasn't ready for that mission yet. I think it comes after the ship. But uh, yeah, that was that was about it for me. I, I definitely did not beat this game. Um, Quite frankly, I don't know if I will ever yes. try again. Yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah. It is, if, if I do, it's going to be with a guide. I, I might just have to, to do it with a guide, and it would just be for curiosity, just to see, you know. But it's a shame, really, because it, it, I really feel like if the game had any sort of password system, I would feel 100% different. Like, it would probably be one of the better games out there. But just it, that, to me, it breaks it. It breaks the game. Because there's... Who, who has that time? To, you know, just to figure that out like that. It's too cryptic. If they were more specific, or if they at least put the, a compass to show where the ID <laughs> cards were, you know, just to give you a general direction. They don't call it Nintendo hard for a reason. Come on now. <laughs> That's true. But, you know, there's Nintendo hard, and then there's yeah. Broke, <laughs> so that feels broke to me. Seems like it was probably rushed a bit trying to get it out the door for the movie. 
everyone knows they were on time crunch back then with especially with licensed games uh, you know they wanted to coincide with the movie get it out in time make it more profitable so i Yo, guess we, we'll, we'll blame corporate corporate <laughs> <laughs> i think it was on like nintendo's power list of top 20 games for like what, a year or half a year or something like that yeah it's true i mean it reviewed yeah. well and people loved it for back in the day Well, it was yeah. it was an impressive game. Like I said, the, they took some risk with that that first person thing. That I know we kind of you know laugh at it now, but back then that was really a huge step forward for a console game. Like, Surprisingly, Nintendo Power actually gave one of the lowest scores out of uh, wow. all the people that reviewed it. Nintendo um, Power, gave <laughs> the lowest score. yeah, they gave it a wow. three point six out of five. The the other Edge was the other one, but everyone else gave it. Wow. Like 90s, 80s. Maybe that's because Nintendo <laughs> didn't have any. <laughs> wonder how many reviews on Nintendo Power look at third-party games and they got like really low reviews, but all the licensed Nintendo games got like 9.8. Oh, uh, it... Nintendo Power gave Jurassic Park uh, two, four and a half, uh, or four out of five scores for graphics and sound, theme and fun, but 2.8 out of five for play and control and 3.5 for challenge. So. Pretty accurate, honestly. I would say that's definitely pretty accurate. I would have gave the, the fun the 2.8. Um, <laughs> Wasn't there a Genesis version of it also, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. There is a Genesis version, but it is a completely yeah, different style of game. Yeah. And I believe in that one you get to play as uh, Dinosaur okay. as well. But there is also an NES version that is very, very similar to the uh, Super Nintendo version. And I did check that one out just a little bit. And it's better. It's better than the Super Nintendo <laughs> game. It's way more straightforward. Uh, and for an NES game, it looks pretty damn good. Uh, so I highly recommend everybody go check that one out. Over it's always good when, the, when a game is straightforward. Uh, I can't you know, say it's just I... simple. Run through it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's still the overtop view. Like, it's very similar to the Super Nintendo game, but it's just, it's better, and I believe oh, it nice. has a password. So, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. <clears throat> but I can't speak too much on that Sega one, because uh, I've, I've never actually played that one. I've just, uh, you know, seen yeah. screenshots and stuff from it. I, I played the Sega one way back. Um, if I remember correctly, it's a, like a side-scroller uh, adventure Uh kind of thing uh where you like run around sewers and like the jungle and uh it has really good sprite work uh for like mm, trying to think it, basically it was, what, what what was that game called i think you mentioned it earlier um but it, anyways it, it's really good like well animated and all that other fun stuff but i don't remember it being very fun <laughs> but it, it Again, that was like in the 90s, so I'm trying to 
I'd have to go look up videos or something on it. Yeah, maybe we'll have to revisit that one. Maybe. <clears throat> <clears throat> I think we've all made our feelings pretty well known about this game. It's got the really good graphics, very uh, ambitious, uh, but it fails on the gameplay aspect, uh, mostly for me, for the for the no save, no saving, no passwords. It's just too impossible, too cryptic to do. Gonna have to use a guide. Anthony, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with us about Jurassic Park for Anthony? You know, if they had a password feature or, you know, like a save feature, it would have made the game much more easier to to play and understand. And, you know, it's like if they didn't have certain, like I said, if they maybe added small characters coming in, like John Hammond or Ian Malcolm, just to give it like a little, like a one-up, it would have been more interesting for me. Yeah, I agree. I think that would have been cool to see. Just a few extra characters. Maybe a few more dinosaurs. Nice. How about you, Nick? Any final thoughts or critiques you want to leave with us on, on Jurassic Park for us? Like I said, I, I would have preferred uh, the interiors a bit more challenging. Maybe an auto-mapping feature would have been helpful. Uh, not necessarily giving you a map right away, but after you explore, it like fills it in. Um, so you kind of know if you're backtracking or not and adding points of interest uh i don't care for obviously the life system didn't make much sense with the continues i mean i didn't really have a problem with much death in that game anyways because everything was you know especially interior just kind of boring walking around and just some some more polish to things like picking up the items make sure the buttons are the same on both sides instead of just picking them up blah 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 um and uh yeah the safe feature would have been nice or at least a password system but uh, it was just for me. It was just more mind-numbingly, you know, boring than uh, fun overall. Not holding back. <laughs> <Tell them ladies>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's one of those games, man. I think there's a lot of missed opportunity with that one. Could have could have really gone down as one of the greatest uh, SNES games probably ever. But, Do I uh, hear HD remake? That would be nice. <laughs> that would be I... something. <laughs> that would be something. I can see that. Well, folks, we are uh, about to wrap things up here for today. Uh, but first, before we get going, let's talk about what's going to happen with our next episode. So uh, next month is Halloween. And uh, for those of you who follow me on Twitter... You uh, you know how much I love Halloween. I, I it's my favorite holiday. It's uh, we celebrate big here at my house. We always dress up. The whole family dresses up. We hand out full size candy bars. We throw a party. It's a good time. So I'm really excited to do our very first uh, Halloween episode. Uh, especially having Nick here. I hopefully can talk him <laughs> into dressing up. Uh, <laughs> and and my uh, silent Bob uh, get up. Hey, dude, any costume, man. <laughs> Whatever you want, dude. If you dress up, dude, it'll be great. We'll share some pictures online mm-hmm. and stuff. It'll be good. 
Uh, of course, I'll have a very special guest lined up for you. Uh, I'm excited to get that guy on the show. Uh, but, big question. What's the game? What game are we going to cover for the very first Halloween episode? And uh, so, thought real hard about this. You know, like, we could go Castlevania. That's very Halloween, right? Uh, uh, Resident Evil, man. Who doesn't like Resident Evil? But How, how about the, the, the scariest game of all? Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde for that, and the NES. No. <laughs> I want something people can actually play. <laughs> Not something they're going to turn on for five seconds and scream. <laughs> so I wanted to find something good, and this, this game is uh, something that I played when I was a kid, and I spent a lot of time on, and uh, I think you guys are really going to like it. It fits really well with Halloween. We're going to play Ghoul School for the NES. and you've never heard of that good go check it out before the episode comes out it's, it's a good one we're gonna have a good time with this game <clears throat> so uh let me thank you anthony for coming on the show man i appreciate you being here it's my pleasure uh, thank you for having me love talking to you man uh one more time uh tell everybody uh where they can find you on twitter and uh if you want to give a you can find me on twitter one more time Filmstock. You can also find me on YouTube. It's youtube.com backslash Marchio Productions, M-A-R-C-H-I-O. And my film on there is called Dream Shadows. I will actually post that on the homepage so everyone can check it out and give it a look. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, dude. Thank you for, having thank me. You for being here. I appreciate it. And thank Nick, you. Nick, man, dude, yeah. I hope you're ready, dude. This is going to be a great season. This is going to be right. so fun, dude. We got guests lined up. We got games lined up. Awesome. It's going to be good, dude. Thank you so much, Nick. Of course. As you know, this show wouldn't be possible without you, man. So I, I love you. I appreciate you being <laughs> here, dude. Thank you. My pleasure. And everyone out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we will be back next month. Uh, we're going to release that episode on Halloween. It will be our first Halloween special. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And if this was your first time tuning in... Uh, Go check out our first season. It's uh, it's good. It's raw. It's rough. <laughs> but it's a good time. So uh, thank you all for coming. And uh, please remember, everyone, that the light at the end of the tunnel may be you. Goodbye.